what is up what is going on it is a new morning and of course you know what that means don't you the bible says that his mercy is renewed every morning so you woke up the morning with new mercy you might have woke up you may have woke up this morning with 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 the same problems you may have woke up this morning with the same heartbreak the same um things going on same bills same same husband you probably can't stand same kids that probably won't listen same things that might be going on in your life no doubt but make no mistake about it you woke up this morning also but new mercy new mercy to deal with that yes and mercy to deal with the problems and the situations that arise and shall arise in your life but, but trouble don't last always don't think this is how it always going to be don't think this is how your life is always going to look no i think it's some decisions getting ready to be made now they're going to be hard decisions when you're trying to change your life the decisions that you make that now they ain't easy decisions now they, they can be hard they can be challenging they're going to challenge the mind they're going to challenge the finance they're going to challenge the flesh they're going to challenge all the things that that you know and hold dear but make no mistake about it is that once you get over that initial pain, you keep moving forward. Hey man, you'll find out that you're better off now than where you were then when you decide when you was just trapped in an existence that you didn't want to be in. God bless you and keep you. Listen, I want to today read from you some more out of a book that I've written um, that talks about dealing with the sexual demon in the church. I just want to speak to you really. Um, and and, and I, I basically um, want to speak to those this morning who um, are trying to get over toxic men. You're trying to get over toxic women. You're trying to get over toxic relationships. And it, don't it seem like the toxic relationships are the ones that we want to want to uh, uh, gravitate to the most. It doesn't seem like the, the toxic men or toxic women are the ones we love the most, we do the most for, uh, we sacrifice the most, we sacrifice our morals, uh, our faith, our commitment to things, sacrifice a whole lot of things for toxic folk. <laughs> Don't it just seem like that's what we do? Well, there's a remedy for that. There's something that we want to... um. Glory to God. Bless you. And, and we want to bless you. And we want to give you some words of encouragement. Because uh, you got to understand this. That if it had not been for the Lord. Who was on our side. Then we would still be trapped. Some of us would still be trapped in those relationships. And some of us right now. In the sound of my voice. Are still in that relationships. But I want to give you some. And perhaps maybe some tools. To um. Break out of that uh, that prison that you're in. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Because, Father God, we realize, Father God, we may not be behind bars physically. But I know sometimes we can be trapped uh, mentally in our minds. We can be trapped mentally, Father God. Um, trapped in, in our thoughts. Trapped in the past. Prisoners of the moment. Prisoners of, of, of things that we've done. And then we become stuck by re trying to recreate those moments but father god i thank you right now because in you is life and life is a light of men and so we have, we have to um we have to father god 
in the name of Jesus, begin to use the anointing, the gifts that you've given us to break free. And we thank you right now because you're going to do it. We're going to do it seemingly abundantly above all that, Father God, that you, you, that, that I know you can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that we're giving us. Father God, help our minds to start running 100 miles an hour. Help our minds to stop being, help uh, in different places at once. Sometimes our bodies, Father God, can be in that place, but our mind is somewhere else. Help us right now, Father God, to be established in our mind. Keep us in perfect peace. Help us to keep our minds stayed on thee. And I praise you and I thank you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I read? I just want to read to you for some for, for a minute. Um, earlier, uh, if you if you check in a different podcast of mine, I, I, I read out of the first chapter of this book. Um, and this is my very first book that the Lord blessed me to, to, to read. Uh, this is called The Sexual Demon in the Church. Now, um, and it's a sexual demon church, but also, and it's not just um, for church people. This is for everybody. Oh, yes, yes, yes. This is for everybody. This is for, I don't care who you is. This is for the Muslim, the Catholic. This is for the Pentecostal, the Buddhist. This is for everybody who, this whoever, whatever you got going on in your life. At some point, somebody has struggled with toxic people, toxic relationships, tox, toxic sexual situations. And what we want to do, we want to break the curse. What we want to do is we want to tame the flesh. And what we want to do is we want to not enter into that situation again. And we're going to do it together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me read for you something real quick that the Lord shared with me. This is called, this is chapter 2. It's called the lust of the flesh, eyes, and the pride of life. In this chapter... I want to deal with three weapons the enemy used to get you involved in sexual sin. According to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are these three weapons. Now, these are the weapons that the enemy uses to get you involved in toxic relationships. These are the, the, the weapons that the enemy uses to get you in to get you to stay up late at night calling the ex. This is this is the um the the weapons the enemy use to get you to even though the man won't commit to you, then y'all decided not to have a relationship, but you just call it friends of benefits. Um these are the, the tools that 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 get you to think that you can't live without a person. So some kind of way you got to keep that toxic person in your life. And here's are the tools the enemy used to do it. Oh, this is going to be good in a minute. <laughs> here's, here's what he used. It says, in these three weapons are what he, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now watch these. This passage, let, let us know that these weapons are in the world and continue to fight against the people of God. Now there are many meanings to the word lust. One meaning is when someone sets their heart upon something and longs for it. To covet, crave, or desire something or someone, this is lust. The devil then uses your eyes to get your attention so he can sell you sexual sin. 
what the eyes see the flesh wants. So when you see a fine man walking by, immediately you begin to covet him. That is why it is important to keep your eyes off the world and keep them focused on your goals. Advertising companies know that the lust of the eyes exists in the world. That is why they use sex or have just women to sell their products or commercial on commercials. The enemies is trying to make you make eye contact with you through the porn industry. Pornography has made eye contact with many men and women of God and the world that is why it is a billion dollar business. When you look at porn and see every single sex act, you begin to want to perform like a porn star. Now, now you do not want a marriage anymore. See, you don't want you don't want a marriage anymore. You want a fantasy that does not involve a real relationship or commitment. Many in the church are hooked on pornography because the enemy has hypnotized you with the lust of the eyes. It's a fight and a struggle to get rid of the spirit because it leaves you with images in your head that will take years to vanish away. You will get flashbacks while you're at work, at home, in the pulpit, or while you are having sex with... <laughs> I know, I know it's getting real now. <laughs> yeah, while you are having sex with your wife. Pornography is a distraction. And eye contact is how the devil brings this distraction into your mind do not let the enemy in your eye gate that is why he is doing that is what he is doing when you go to a strip club or when you watch sexual images on a computer screen that is the enemy's way of making eye contact with you another example is an innocent sounding um, uh, as a sexual joke or text message from a friend which is another way to devil is bringing in lust of the eyes into your life. Past lovers in your phone that you should have erased a long time ago is another way the enemy makes eye contact with you. Staring at the number of a person you have had sexual relations with can ultimately stir up old feelings. And the next thing you know, you are making a call. The enemy has been trying to get your attention by using your eyes. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The author and finisher of your faith. Take a look at Hebrews 12, verse number 2. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Lord suffered the cross because his eyes were on the joy and not the pain of the cross. When you decide to stop having sex, it is like pain to the flesh. But keep your spirit on the joy that is set before you. It will hurt to see other Christians and people of the world sleeping with this person and that person. But keep your eyes off them and put it on the joy. <laughs> it is a pain. Yes, yes, yes. It, it's, this things that we're talking about is not easy. Because, see, because once you um, indulge yourself, once you know the feeling of, of a person, once you know the touch of another person, once you know different things in your life, now it becomes hard to break away from what your flesh desires. So now it becomes a conflict. It becomes a struggle. It becomes a battle daily to stop the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life.
And that's how the enemy gets us. He gets us through the eyes. Because like I'm saying in the book here is that if you're staring at a number of an ex that you don't have sexual relations with, sooner or later, if you get lonely enough, if you get horny enough, sure enough, you'll be making a call. And so now the process now of trying to get delivered, the process of trying, you know, to do better starts all over again. And that's why I say it is a battle. That's why I say it is a war. That's why I say it is, you know, something that you really um, need to continue um, to fight. And that's why I'm saying to you um, to stop um, when you're used to having sex. It becomes harder to you to stop what was normal to you. Because your flesh begins to long for what it used to do. <laughs> so now, and then now when you look around you and you see people from your past, you see your friends, you see your family members, you, see, you may see even church members having sex. So now you say, well, if they're doing it. Why can't I do it? And that's what I'm trying to say is you have to keep your eyes focused on Jesus and not focus on the world. Because some people, they endure a lot of things if they um, find themselves focused on something. See, when you're going through something, there's pain. But the only thing oftentimes that may keep somebody going or keep somebody from giving up is the goal or the prize at the end. And we can use this not just for sexual things. And you can use this. Somebody might be going to college right now. The courses are hard. People won't let you into school. You got to go online. Different things going on. And you feel like giving up. You feel like it wasn't a use. But you have to keep your eyes off the process. And put it on the promise. You got to put it on. What is the promise of all this? What is the end result of all this? And once you start focusing on the end result. Once you have your eyes focused on what God has for you at the end of that. That usually gives you the strength to keep going. And that's why I speak to a lot of my people right now. And, and I really don't, um, this is a whole nother subject, and, and but it, it deals with mental um, things um, because there are a lot of people right now who are depressed, a lot of people right now who have suicidal thoughts. But I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you will not focus on your right now and what's going on in your life. But I pray that you will focus on the future and believing that your life will look different five years, ten years from now, than it does in your present situation. Let me read on. Let me read something else to you. And and and, and, and this is really dealing with um toxic. This is dealing with toxic people. Let me show you something. It says, let's look at joy for a minute in Nehemiah 8 and 10. 
Now, Nehemiah chapter 8, around verse 10, it says this. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto, unto them, for when nothing is prepared, for this is the day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He told them, don't be sorry. He says, he says, don't look at, you know, but he says, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. I said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want to show you something. The joy that you need to keep your eyes on while resisting sexual sin is the joy of the Lord because it is your strength. Sin will break your joy. Yes, it will. Without joy, there is no defense against the enemy. And causes you to have no strength to fight. It causes you to have no strength to fight. Now you find yourself having an all-year stand. Instead of a one-night stand, you come to church, everybody is shouting and dancing, but you're sad and feel uncomfortable and cannot praise God. That is why you must watch what you look at because what you watch can become your addiction. Notice what the book of Job said around chapter 31 of verse, verse 1. It says this. I made a covenant with my eyes. He said, I got an agreement with my eyes now. Why then should I think upon a maid? Job said, I don't made a covenant with my eyes. I made, I made an agreement with him. That I won't look upon a maid. Notice what Job is saying. That he would not allow his eyes to look upon anything that would cause him to stumble. No matter how dedicated Job was to God, Job knew he could still fall through eye contact. Even King David, the night he sinned with Bathsheba, it all started through eye contact. King David was watching her bathe naked. And what his eyes saw, his flesh wounded. How many times have we sinned because we are looking at something that we should not have. Watching pornography materials like watching a spirit that can enter into your mind, body, and soul and will take years for it to depart. Oftentimes in the body of Christ, people try to rid themselves of this sexual demonic spirit by getting married. <laughs> Let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something that, that see, this is, this is some of the things, and I, I have never heard anybody talk about this in church. I heard I heard one man speak on this years ago, but he doesn't even he. Don't, I, I'm in Michigan, all right. And I heard one man down in I think at the time he was in West Virginia, he might have been in, in Texas. I'm not sure, but he used to talk about this kind of stuff, and he used to talk about how you got to keep bathing out of your mind every image that you've seen because it always come back on you. But one of the things that I heard, never heard people talk about at all is sometimes when we know we have a sexual addiction and but and, and then you, you get saved, right? You start going to church. You want to be, be, be holy, be right, with you know, what, what have you. And But you still got that sexual desire and you're like, Lord, I'm not messing up. So oftentimes what people do is they try to get married to control that sexual desire. But my brother, if you're struggling with a spirit of perversion, trust me, marriage ain't going to help you. No, it would not. Because you're struggling with perversion. Sexual situations. And one woman and one man cannot stop you 
or quench your thirst and your sexual appetite if that's what you're struggling with. Chocolate bullshit, whatever. Now that sounds like, oh man, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah all right, whatever. One man, one woman. If you're struggling with, you got a, a strong sexual appetite. That, that's why you was in the world going from man to man and woman to woman. And that's why you was in the world and girl on girl, guy on guy. That's why you was in the world doing all these different things, threesomes, orgies, whatever it is. And all of a sudden now, you say, well, I'm going to get married. And that's going to stop me. And make me a good guy. No. What you got to do is you got to deal with yourself first. Because if you don't deal with your addiction first. Then when you get married. You're going to mess that relationship. You're going to mess that person up. And now here you are. In a divorce court. Because you can control your sexual appetite. Or you have not dealt with that. Let me, let me, let me, read, let me, read, let me read some more. This 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 is heavy, man. I'm telling you. Watch this. This one. Watch this. Watch this. Often the body of Christ, we try, we try to rid themselves of sacred demonic spirits by gay marriage. Marriage is God's plan for a man and a woman. However, it does not cure lust. Marriage doesn't cure lust. No, it does not. The spirit of lust has to be cast out, not married out. When you rush and get married before and before God's time, get ready for a fall. The sexual immorality will be, will be just one of your problems. Divorce comes in and then poverty. Now you are having sex with anyone because of sorrow or the need to try to get back to the years you lost in a bad marriage. <laughs> the lust of the flesh is similar to the lust of the eyes. They work together. We must understand that the world system is for the world. Christians are not of this world. And it is not our home. I talked about that yesterday. The problem is often that Christians look at the world and decide we want to be just like them. That is what happens to Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Israel decided they wanted a king over them just like all the other nations in the world. I believe that often. I believe that oftentimes in the church we look at the world and want to be like them in sexual activity. For example, when you see the guy who stays on the same block as you and has two different women and you decide you want to be like him. Or a ball player you look up to and to has a wife and a mistress and you think that is cool. There are swingers in your neighborhood and they have invited you and your wife over for a party and you are considering going because you want to be like them. All these situations are called being transformed to this world. The opposite of conformed is transformed. Your mind has to be renewed and go into a metamorphosis. Like when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly or a tadpole turns into a frog. Change is good, but a metamorphosis is better. Anything that's transformed cannot be changed back. A man that goes through metamorphosis can never go back to his old ways again. Sexual sin is a killer, which is why we need more than a change, but a burning up of the flesh. I noticed something in the book of Acts 19 and 19. It says that 
Many of them also that used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it was 50,000 pieces of silver. What the scripture was talking about was a group of men who had turned, the Lord to the, turned to the Lord from witchcraft. And they decided to burn their old enchantments, books, and, and not hold on to the past. God cannot deliver you until you decide to burn the books. What do you have of your ex are you still holding on to? Is it a phone number? Old letters? Emails? You still have the man's boxers or jacket that you won't let go of? These things you hold on to only to tempt you to go back. Did you know that the anointing can get on clothes in certain parts of clothing? In the book of Luke chapter 8, there was a woman with an issue of blood for 12 long years. But when she heard of Jesus, she knew if she had, if she may just but touch but the hem of his garment, she shall be made whole. Notice, she did not want to touch him, but just his clothes. The anointing can get in clothing, and the same goes with evil spirits. They can get into clothing as well. That explains why when you are wearing your ex's jeans right now, and yet you are wondering why you cannot get over him. When you are really ready for deliverance from sexual sin, just ask God to burn the lust out of your mind and flesh. Let God burn images of sexual acts from the past out of your heart. For our God is a consuming fire. That's another distraction that prevents us from defeating sexual sin. That is people. If we're going to defeat the enemy, then we are going to have to stop talking to him. We are holding on to people who are bringing us down to their level. Friends, we have whoever coming around us and telling us about all their sexual experiences. These so-called friends whom you are saved, they know you are saved. <laughs> These friends of yours, they know you are saved and trying to live for God and keep coming around with you with pornography pictures. The man you keep calling your friend knows you're trying to live for Christ, yet he still keeps trying to hook you up with his sister for sex. Come out from among them and be separate because when you, who you hang around can influence you for the worse and not for the better. <laughs> when you separate from some friends, it does not mean you do not love them. It is just means you love God more. If your hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands and going to hell. Into the fire that should never be quenched. God is not literally telling you to cut off your hand. Rather to cut off anybody who's causing you to stumble. What is the scripture saying that is may be painful for you to get over some lovers, friends, and maybe even family members. But whoever is causing you to stumble. That's who you need to separate from. Some friends right now are causing you to enter into sexual sin. Get rid of them. Some friends right now are causing you to um, smoke this, this, and then go out and, and do that. It, get rid of them. If you're trying to do something different with your life. Now, if you're not trying to do something different with your life, by all means, have fun. But when you decide to do something different with your life, there are certain people who influence your behavior.
There are certain friends that can influence your behavior. There are, in fact, there are certain friends, family members, and people in your life right now, they, they can influence your behavior not just more than you. They influence your behavior more than your kids. They influence your behavior more than your husband or wife. They influence your behavior more than a drug can. They influence your behavior. But when you're really ready to make a change in your life, oftentimes that's why you see people change their surroundings and change um, who they're hanging around. Separating from fraternity brothers can be hard, but God is with you. The girlfriends who keep talking about cheating on their husbands, avoid them. If we are going to defeat the sexual demon, we have to stop talking to him. What friend do you know who will take his friend to a bar knowing he is struggling with alcoholism? My brothers and sisters, why would you go to a strip club with friends who know you are at the point of backsliding? Flee fornication, adultery, lust. Stay out of the bars full of women you cannot resist. These are friends that you have had for years and you have done everything together including committing fornication with. But it's time to let them go if you're trying to make a change in your life. Oftentimes, people think if they re get rid of some friends, they will not be able to make new ones. Notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 29. It says, everyone that forsaken houses, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. What the word of God is saying is, when you get rid of folks for God, he will add to you more people into your life. When you leave a friend alone for God's sake, he will add a new friend to you. Family members who are in sexual sin, you start hanging around them. God will add to you new mothers, daughters, fathers. God is able if you let him to God is able if you let him. He's able to get you delivered from your past. If you have social network account, now this is um this is deep. Oh no, this this is this is heavy, boy. See, I know I, I know I wrote this book under the influence of God because all this stuff I'm struggling with. How in the world can you preach with passion and not know passion? How in the world? Can you preach from the gutter and preach people out of gutter if you've never been there? And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> if you have a social network account, go through the friends list and get rid of ex-lovers, people who have been flirting with you. The reason God wanted his people separated from certain nations is because they knew they would take their hearts away from him. Do not let people who are controlled by sexual immorality control you and take your mind off Christ. To crucify the flesh means to not give in to the lust of the flesh. To deny your flesh takes power and patience. A daily fight is what you are in. Never take a day off because when you do, the enemy comes in like a flood. So you can be in a battle fighting this thing and doing a good job. But if you start taking days off. You find yourself getting weak again. And the problem is that that is so oftentimes when you slip and do something, you may be in that thing for a couple of days or you may be in that thing for a couple of years. Selah. <laughs> a daddy fight is what you're in. Never take a day off because 
when you do, the enemy comes in like a flood. And watch this. The, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. There is no doubt the enemy will one day flood your mind with past lovers, lust, flashbacks of things you have done in the past, the college years when you were away from home from the first time. That is what he will bring up. The nights you spent with a roommate that turned to more than just friends. The flood of past and present sin will come in, but God will lift up a standard against them that says no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. As you see, see, let me, he wants me to deal with that. See, because here's what people don't understand. When we say it don't prosper, what the ultimate goal of the enemy is to get you to turn your heart completely away from God. And that's what, not what you're going to do. You may have made him some, some mistakes. But your faith won't fail. Oh my God, I, I can't do it. I can't do that. Yeah, that's that's what happened to Peter. Yeah, he made a mistake and denied the Lord three times. But his faith didn't fail. <laughs> As you can see, the lust of the eyes and the, and, the, and the flesh work together. The pride of life is a little different from those spirits. Pride says, I'm going to sleep with as many women as I possible before I get married. The spirit will always try to prove itself through sex. This spirit, the spirit of this spirit of the pride of life. That's what I'm talking about. This spirit of the pride of life will always try to prove itself through sex. The pride of life. It always wants to prove itself. The pride of life always wants to prove it can do things in the 50s that you used to be able to do in your 20s. <laughs> let, me, let me let me explain more about the pride of life because a lot of men men really struggle with this, <laughs> and in the world calls it often the world calls certain things like this midlife crisis. The enemy will trick you into thinking you're a man only by how many women you sleep with. There is a spirit, my friend, that will convince your mind that you still got it. So go ahead and, and get that woman's number. The pride of life will have you thinking that you have to sleep with the boss to get ahead. Men will refuse to get married until they have traveled to Vegas to sin in other than Sin City. Some say they have, will not get married until they have joined the Mile High Club. The pride of life will always have you thinking you are missing out on something. That's why most men don't get married because they feel they're missing out on something. That is why you always see um, a lot of people nowadays against marriage. You're not missing out on anything in the world. But you could be missing out on a good husband or wife if you continue to let pride consume you. Proverbs 18 and 22 says this. Whosoever findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtain favor of the Lord. Let pride, why let, why let pride cause you to miss out on that good thing God has prepared for you? Do not give up a good thing to go back into the world for sexual sin. The world will tell you the more women the better. When the pride of life comes in, what it does is contradict the word of God. When you are married and the pride of life comes in, you begin to say, I am missing out on something that being stuck in this marriage. Your husband may not be six feet tall, full of muscles, but he is your king 
and you are his queen. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16 and 18 says this, The pride of life is deception, and it will have you thinking that sin is better than righteousness. Furthermore, preachers in the church have to be honest with the people of God. Many times we tell the people there is no pleasure in sin, but that is not true. There is pleasure in sin. However, it only lasts for a season. That's why when most Christians get saved, they are surprised that the feelings of lust still exist in them. Let us be honest with the people of God and ourselves. Many people work out in gyms and stay fit, not for health, but for the chance to sleep with another man's wife. While the lusts of the eyes and the flesh are simple, the pride of life is complicated. This spirit of pride will have you thinking you will be forever be young. Paul said this. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. The way to defeat the pride of life is to become a man. You are not worried about missing out on lust of women when you become a man. No longer do you seek the attention of other women when you are married, when you become a man. Women no longer try to date their daughter's high school boyfriend when you become a woman. When you become of age, you put away childish things. That is the pride of life. You're not missing out on anything, for there is nothing new under the sun. You have dated enough. You have had enough sex. Now is the time to grow up and live for God. Men love your wives. Ladies, honor your husband. Forget the handsome delivery guy who always flirts with you at the job. Stop fantasizing about the younger lady that flirts with you at the restaurant. The pride of life will have you trying to be 20 when you are really in your 40s. When a new 20-year-old shows up at the job getting all the attention from the women, you get upset and start working out to prove that you're still the man. <laughs> that is pride. You have been the center of attention at work for years until a young lady fresh out of college joins the work crew. And now she has all the men's attention. Now you get upset and start thinking about breast implants. That is the pride of life. Some people are trying to be a player when they are married. The pride of life causes you to be restless until you are not happy in any situation. You have a wife, money, house, and car, and yet still, it's not enough. Pride would have you constantly thinking about the woman you have slept with, but wish you, you did. Let me read that again, because you didn't catch that. Pride would have you constantly thinking about the woman you never slept with, but wish you did. Wackable. Let me read that three times, because somebody didn't hear me. Pride will have you constantly thinking about the woman you never slept with. But you wish you did. <laughs> Do not destroy your life because of the pride of life. No sexual sin is worth your marriage, your ministry, and your mind. And trust me, I am a living witness to this, this, this right here. What I just read. No sexual sin is worth your marriage, your ministry, your mind. There is pleasure in sin, but it really is only for a season. You have been having fun with the woman's husband now, but it's only for a season. That man's wife has been all over you, but it's only temporary. <laughs> when a season is up, you may be broke, busted, left for dead, lost your mind, lost your home, even your church. God has called us to live without regret. And that is what the pride of life does. It causes you to live in regret. A man or a woman begins to think, maybe I should have gone out more and sinned more. 
The devil is a lie. <laughs> Let me tell you the danger in thinking that way. Let me read that one more time. Let me tell you the danger in thinking that way. Because I'm going to show you the thing. I'm so reason. Let me tell you the danger in thinking what I just, what I just read. Watch this. Now, I said God has called us to live without regret. And that is what the pride of life does. It causes you to live in regret. Now watch this. A man or a woman begins to think, maybe I should have gone out more and sinned more. That's what the devil um, has a lot of people thinking. Let me tell you what would happen, though, if you would have went out and sinned more. See, some of you was able to escape your wild sexual past without getting any STDs. But if you would have went out and did more, perhaps you would have gotten AIDS, HIV, things that you cannot get rid of. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. Actually, let me share a testimony with you. It's uh, when I was much younger. I was growing up on a, in the hood, growing up on the block, and um, oftentimes we would um, have, there would be sexual parties and things of that sort. And um, women would come over. You know, we we we'd, maybe in our teens, hell, not even teens. I, I say maybe ten year olds, eleven year olds. I don't know, but we we were we were real young. And um. And I was hearing the story of a of a man who, uh, at the time, he was you know, probably maybe twelve or thirteen, and this young man had a wild sexual upbringing, and um, he um for whatever reason had um, you know, had sexual relations with this lady, and um. He was trying to get another young man to sleep with the same woman he did. You know, and the young man was telling me that he wouldn't do it. Well, years came to pass, and this young man had grown up and became, you know, an adult. And it come to find out that the young man had been diagnosed with AIDS. So, and then the young man, when he found out he had AIDS... He killed himself. Now, the um, the young the other young man that I'm, I'm talking about who who wouldn't sleep with the the lady that he he slept with. Um, he thought to himself, "Man, if I would have went into the same woman that he went into, or that he slept with, perhaps you know I could be suffering the same fate of AIDS." That's why you never. Look at your life and say, man, I should have sinned more. I should have slept with more people. I should have slept with more men. I should have slept with more women. I should try this. I should, I should try this drug. I should have. No. No, no, no. No, you shouldn't have. Because everybody doesn't escape that type of life. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, couple shot. So you haven't missed out on anything. As a matter of fact, I'll say to you, have you, have you, you've dodged some bullets because there's a lot of you right now under the sound of my voice. Um, you could have an STD right now, or you could have uh, had cancer from an STD. Different things can go on health wise when you're doing different things like that. So, hmm, no. You're not missing out on anything. 
No, you're not. suku. No, you're not um boso. No, you're not a yolo So na rebusha. Ooh, I feel the spirit of God. No, you do not you do not have to look up old classmates. No, you don't have to look up ex boyfriends. No, you don't have to look up ex this, ex that. No, you don't have to dig up somebody from your past and I should have did this, I should have no. Because there's a reason why it didn't go down. <laughs> Let God protect you. You dodged the bullet. Can I keep reading? I'm going to read some more to you there. I got, I'm running out of time. Let me read a little more. This, this is just chapter two of this book. It's interesting. It is very interesting. Some people are trying to be players when they are married. The product like calls you to be restless so you're not happy in the situation. When the season is up, you may become broke, busted, left for dead, lost your mind, lost your home, even your church. God has called us to live without regret, and that is what the pride of life does. It causes you to live in regret, and a man or a woman begins to think, maybe I should have gone out and sinned more. The devil's about I know there is nothing in the world that you are missing out on. However, there are some blessings you are missing out on if you continue to be distracted by sexual sin. Ecclesiastes 1 and 9 says this, The thing that have been... Is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there's no new thing under the sun. The scripture is letting you know that you have been there, done that, and there's nothing new under the sun. Stop waiting on the next man and get with the man of God ordained for you. Love your wife, for there is nothing new under the sun. The enemy does, does not have any new tricks, but if you if you get with God, his mercy is new every morning. Friends, have you ever looked at people that live for the weekend and they say, I cannot wait for Friday? When that Friday comes, they go to the same clubs, sleep with the same type of men or women, and drink the same drinks, and there is nothing new to what they are doing. But what God has for you, it gets sweeter as the days go by. That's why John says, it does not appear, yet appear what we shall be. But when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Simply, the best is yet to come with God. But with the enemy, we have been there and done that. There's nothing new, my brothers. No longer to let pride consume you, but let God consume you. I would say, act your age. But I would rather say, act like you're saved. Listen, God bless you and keep it. That's just a chapter two of the other book I read back in the day. It's called Dealing with the Sexual Demon um, in the Church. Also, yeah, it's called Dealing with the Sexual Demon in the Church. But also, I want to um, interest you into maybe purchasing this book. Um, and if you can't purchase it, of course, you can email me at machiavelli.hl at gmail.com. That's M A. K-A-V-A-L-E-E dot H-L at gmail.com. Just email me and I'll I see into it. I'll be able to get you this book because I believe there's some of you right now who do really want to um, get rid of that toxic um, relationship. You want to get rid of that toxic man, that toxic woman. You want to stop uh, sleeping with this one, sleeping with that one. You want to you want you want a husband. You want a wife. You want somebody committed and faithful to to you. 
You want a family. You don't want a baby daddy, do you? You want a family. And you're tired of the same things over and over again. And I do believe that God has for you. But I do believe that you should let God show you the right way to get it. Rebosha. And the Lord is saying this to some of you. You have all the tools. You just got to let God show you how to use them. Selah. So I do want to put that book in your hands. Also, God bless you and keep you. He's uh, doing wondrous things in your life. You can find this book on Barnes & Noble's online bookstore. Or you can find it at Amazon.com. Just um, go to those websites uh, or even Google. And just put in the name author Tim McAvey Lee. Because I just want to get it into your hands because I just want to bless you. Uh, Father, and, 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 and I just want to pray a word of prayer over your life. Because God has designed for you to be delivered from perversion. Yes, Lord. And so I thank you right now for all that you've done and what you're still doing. Father, I thank you right now for your power, your special name among men. I thank you for your glory. I thank you for your anointing. It is in you we live and move and have our very being. And I give your name all the praise. I give your name all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if it's a word, then I must have did it. And if it's not, then I wasn't with it. Stay committed.